Isn't it great that God even uses our muck-ups? Because 11 people last week responded to the gospel. So God's good. And God can even use our screw-ups. So um, there's a little thing here at the beginning of... uh, Who's actually got last week's notes with them? That's going to be really radical. Um, Some of you haven't been able to sleep this week. You've been struggling to get to, to sleep at night because you're thinking, what are those four elements that are involved in being saved? Last week, we were talking about what makes a Christian? What are the ingredients that go into a Christian? Just like you make a cake and you put eggs and flour and water and some other stuff in there and it makes a cake, there is some, there is some stuff that goes into the cake of being a Christian. Four very important things. And this really links in with James. If you've got your Bible, crack it open to James chapter 2 and chapter 3. We're going to look at that this morning. Here are four very good biblical words to give you this morning. The first is repent. Repent. Um, Jesus said things like this to people. Go now and sin no more. Um, And it's interesting because um, when we think about becoming a Christian, Jesus used this phrase, it's like being born again. What he's saying is, he's saying the revolution that happens in your life is so powerful. It's like a complete fresh start. That There are parts of you that are dead, that come alive when you do these things. So repentance and we talked about this last week and, and looked at James chapter 2. It's not just about a feeling of remorse. Um, it's not just about even saying sorry. But it's recognizing that our lives are lived under God's watch. And that if we misstep, if we make mistakes, we are offending God. And we need to get that right with him. The second thing is we need to believe. I before E except okay. Um, repent. Is that right? Yeah, okay. We need to believe. We need to believe. And who do we believe in? Jesus. We believe in Jesus, okay? We need to lean into him. We need to put our trust and our confidence into him. We need to understand, hey, I can't save myself. I need somebody who is bigger and stronger than me to rescue me. And we put our trust in him. Then, what's the other B? Anybody hazard a guess? It's baptism. Baptism. Can I challenge you this morning? If you have never been baptized in water, the New Testament makes it really clear that this is part of the salvation cake. This is something that we do, okay? It's something that's very important. We have little application forms at the back. Not that it's an application process. You get asked 20 questions, and if you get them right, we, you know, we baptize you. It's not like that. We just, it's a way of just saying, I want to be baptized. We always love baptizing people in this church. We don't do it here. We do it down at Elm Grove, but it's great. Okay, the last one. What's the last one? Receive. Who do we receive? I before E, except after C. Oh, I've mucked up already. Okay. Um, we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very interesting. 
And I may want to just correct a few misunderstandings here because sometimes we talk about receiving Jesus into our lives. Actually, when you look at what the New Testament teaches, it doesn't talk about receiving Jesus. It talks about believing in Jesus and then receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay? We are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you in such a powerful way that he will revolutionize how you witness, how you work, how you talk. It would just, it would, it would change your life. I can remember being a, a teenager at a, a youth camp that my dad used to run. And I remember the moment when, when I, was, I received the Holy Spirit. And it was so powerful. So powerful. And if you have never had that sense of of being baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you. That is something good for you to pursue. Now, Jesus, this is interesting. Jesus talked about being born again. Okay. Now, what's what's fascinating is that being being born, we were all born, weren't we? Yeah, we, we share that common experience. We were all born. Being born is a very important process, isn't it? I mean, to be a midwife, you have to train for three years. That's how important being born is. For three years, you'll get teaching on how to say push, okay? Sometimes you have to say it assertively. Sometimes you have to say it gently. You get three years of training how to help husbands be less traumatized, okay, through the the process of birth. Um. If there, are, if there are complications with your birth, there can be complications with your health. And I'm not sure if we give enough teaching around how spiritual birth happens. That maybe when we're born into the kingdom of God, there may be some, some, some things that are lacking or missing. This is why I want to highlight these four things. Let me ask you a question. When has a baby been born? When it's out, Gareth says. It's a very technical term. He is a midwife or a mid-husband. In year two, they say, any other ideas? When it's out is one thought. When it takes its first breath. Any other ideas? When you, when you cut the, is it umbilical cord? Um, umbilic, uh, what, is that American? Umbilical, umbilical, umbilical. Umbilical cord. I haven't been to midwife school for three years. Actually, there's a bit of controversy around when babies are born. We're not quite sure. It, it could be either of those things. could be none, none of those things or all of those things. Um, it's a fascinating thing that when a baby is born, there's a sense of cutting the umbilical cord. I love that. Jesus said, go now, sin no more. May there be a severance to your past that you are new, that you need to cut off. You need to let go of the past. You need to let go of that way of life. You are entering into something new. There's a washing of the baby, which is really important. 
I can tell you it's really important that you wash that little sucker, okay? One of my, one of my children, their first act of, of being alive, the midwife put one of them, I can't actually remember which one it was, but um, it was, <laughs> no, it was one of them, um, put one of the babies into my hand, and her f- I think it was one of the girls, her first act was to do a nice big poop. It was almost like she was saying, hello, daddy. <laughs> you know. Um, so you've got you to wash the baby, okay? That speaks of baptism. Mrs. Tiffin talked about receiving the first, first breath. When does that hap- happen sometimes? It comes with the laying on of hands. And the Holy Spirit was received with the laying on of hands. You know, you, you, you tip that sucker upside down, you slap it on the bum, and there you go. The first, no, that didn't happen, did it? Did, no, that, that's not right. Okay, don't listen to that. Anyway, so being born again is a revolution in your life. And last week we said when this revolution happens, it won't just change the way that you think. It won't just change your, your, your inner being, but there'll be a sense, there'll be fruit, there'll be action. There'll be a demonstration of what God is doing inside of you by the way that you live. And then James really gets into it this week, okay? Because last week he gave this little illustration of how you treat the poor. But today he's going to talk about one of the most powerful things in your life. And it is your tongue. That When Jesus gets hold of your life, he gets hold of your tongue. Everybody hold your tongue. With the other hand, grab the person's tongue next to you. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Um, as you're holding the tongue, I am holding. Everybody repeat after me. I am holding the power of life and death. Proverbs tell, tells us, you see, all the cool, really pe- all the cool people were, were comfortable doing that. Those who weren't so cool, you were a little bit self-conscious. Anyway, moving on. Um, Proverbs tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death. Jesus in uh, Matthew 12 talked about trees. And he said, basically, what is happening here on the tree, the fruit of the tree is related to the roots of the tree. And when Jesus does this revolution in our lives, he deals with the very heart of the issue. He does a deep work in our souls, in our spirits, in our minds. And that changes the roots, and then it changes the fruits. Read Matthew uh, 12. Jesus talks about this. We're going to look at James 3. Can we have that up on the screen? And I'm going to read it out. Talk a little bit. Read out some more. Okay, this is what James says in James 3. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's just think about this. 
Here's some things that immediately come to my mind, the things that we need to do about this verse. The first thing, maybe not the first thing, but it's an important thing, you need to do about this verse is you need to pray for the people who stand up here. This is really important what we're doing right now. Um, It's not easy. It really isn't easy. This is a battle to stand up here and to try and expound and teach God's Word. And can can I encourage every single one of you to spend a little time each week just praying for the preaching and the teaching of God's Word in this church because it's incredibly important. But then can also say this. We all teach. How many parents do we have here this morning? Parents, you are teachers. And the Holy Spirit through James is challenging you this morning that you have influence. That you need to be careful of the things that you say to your children. Your words are powerful to your kids. Here's something else I thought as I thought about that verse is that we don't agree about everything, do we? No, Gareth, we don't. We don't agree about everything. We don't even agree about that. Or we do agree. No, okay. We, we don't agree about everything. We don't agree about everything the Bible teaches. I have some dear friends in this church who believe very different things about certain parts of the Bible. Can I encourage us? It's good to have convictions, isn't it? It's good to have a a sense of, I really feel God is teaching this in his word. But conviction needs to be tempered with humility. That sometimes out of our sense of conviction, we can become very proud. And it's almost like we think, well, I'm God's spokesman on this issue. Well, James is saying, be careful. Be really careful. Because we're going to be judged by the things that we say. And the more influence we have, the more we stand up and say, I am a teacher. I am speaking on God's behalf here. Wow. You're setting yourself up for quite a stringent test when judgment day comes. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says He is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Did you guys see that film where that dude cut off his arm because he was stuck in the rocks? That was was horrendous. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, this guy went sort of climbing or something. He fell down this bit of a crevice and his arm got lodged in a rock and a boulder. This guy had to cut off his arm to save himself with his pocket knife. I mean, the human spirit is incredible. The human spirit would do drastic things when it's pushed. But here's the thing. The human spirit is not strong enough to tame the tongue. However strong you think you are, James is telling us, and he he talks about this a lot in this passage, that the tongue is 
a wild thing. A while ago, I listened to um, a guy called John Ortberg, and he did this little bit of teaching around a, a, a verse in Proverbs where it basically says, if you talk a lot, you're going to sin a lot. Somebody has it a guess, how many words do we speak every day? 20,000. Gaz, you're a genius. But not quite so much. Because apparently you speak on average every day 7,000 words. But there is somebody else in your household who shall remain nameless right now. She might be of a different gender to you. And research will tell us, this is true, absolutely true, that the ladies will speak 20,000 words a day. Now, we're talking now, you see all the ladies are chatting away. You're using up some of your words, be careful. There's two ladies back there, one of them's going like, shh, I'm not going to talk right now. Um, It was fascinating, on Thursday we were at our prayer meeting, and I said, I really feel the men in the church should pray for the women. And the women all came into the middle of the hall, and what started to happen? They all started chatting, using up some of their 20,000 words, Um, which I think think is really cool that I think men need to learn how to talk properly, is is what I feel. Anyway, um, so John Altberg is saying, this is a little graph here, and uh, there's another bit of research that says, on average, we will lie 200 times every day. And this bit of research was done a few thousand years after James already said it. Okay? That your tongue is a fire. So, let's just say, for instance, okay, I mean, lying is just one sin that you can do with your tongue. You can gossip, you can criticize, you can exaggerate, all sorts of things you can do with your tongue. Let's just say, for instance, out of every a thousand words you speak, you sin once. So if this is the amount of words you speak, no, let's do it that way. These are the amount of words. This is a graph that's talking about sin. Can you see that the more you speak, the more you sin? This is what it says in Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 19. In a multitude of words... Sin is not lacking. Now, you could think, hang on a minute. I've got a plan here. I can see what I need to do. What I need to do is I need to talk less. And some of us certainly do need to talk less, starting with me. Okay? Because we know that if we talk less, we're going to sin less. In fact, wow, if I sin every thousand words, if I can get my amount of words down to 999, there is a possibility I might not sin. That's kind of one way to do it. But you see, I don't think this is what James is really talking about. 
Because the tongue holds the power of life and death. It's not just about the negative things that we do with our tongue, but it's about our tongue bringing life. It's about our tongue setting the direction of our lives. One day, I said two words with my tongue, and it changed the direction of my life. What were those two words? I do. I will. And I am. I'm doing it. Um, just cool. I've just totally gone blank there. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's a lady that came to John Wesley, and she said this. I think my talent from God is to speak my mind. John Wesley said, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. And certainly there's a sense, and James has already referred to this earlier in his letter, that sometimes we need to speak less. But sometimes we need to speak more. What, what about those times when your boyfriend has been pressuring you to sleep with him? There's a very powerful word you can use, and it's no. What about those times when you are with somebody and they are destroying somebody's reputation with their words? They are bringing death with their words. That is a time to speak up and to defend the person who is not there. It's not just about the things that we say, but it's about the things that we don't say as well. Let's just carry on reading. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself on fire Set on fire by hell. Good night. The end. Let's pray. <laughs> that, that would be good. Put it to end right there. Let's just carry on to the, to the next. Is there another slide there? Yeah, there's another slide. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. You cannot tame your tongue. Taming an animal is pretty tricky. I mean, I bought a pretty tame dog. And even getting that dog to do what I want it to do is pretty, pretty tricky. So to take a wild animal and to tame it, that takes patience and persistence. And nobody can tame the tongue except Jesus. And really the question to you this morning is who is holding the reins of your tongue? Who is holding 
the reins of your tongue? Is it your emotions? Sometimes we speak out of emotion. We're driven by emotion. And we say things that we should never say because we are driven by feelings, by hurt. Sometimes we say things out of misunderstanding. That, you know, I, I, my, my understanding about life and about the Lord and about everything is not perfect. Thank God that there is a, a renewing process that is happening in my mind as I study and, and read his word, as he speaks to me, as the Holy Spirit brings his word alive. But my understanding of him isn't perfect. And I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I don't want my understanding to be the reins of my tongue. I want to lean into his understanding. So the question is, who is holding the reins of your tongue. Is Jesus there? Like a little puppet master. That when you move your tongue, it's because he's got control of it. Let's just think of some ways that we can negatively use our tongue. Let's start with the ob obvious one. Gossip. Gossip. Oh, we all went very quiet right now. Oh, my. Gossip. From what I understand, from what James is saying here, the tongue, if used incorrectly in an area like gossip, will destroy a church. And we could probably dig out a few stories this morning of churches that have been destroyed through gossip. We need to be very careful about how we talk about other people when they are not present. Sometimes there's a sense of, of, of malice. And the New Testament talks about this in our gossip, that we just want to hurt people. And I think we get that that's wrong. We understand that that is not godly, that that doesn't bring honor to Jesus when we're just running people down. But can I go beyond that this morning? That sometimes we just pass on information that we shouldn't pass on. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, oh, I don't think they'd want me to tell you this, but... Can I encourage you to be very careful what you say to that person? Because the next day, after you've told them about your personal things and stuff, they may be saying the very same thing. Oh, I'm not sure if this person would want me to tell you this, but we need to be very, very careful how we talk about people who are not present. Gossip. Somebody else shout out a way that we can use our tongue in a negative way. Lies. Are we speakers of the truth? Truth that I think is important to God. Would we not agree that he is the, 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 the author of truth? And we need to reflect that in the way that we speak. Anybody else? Let's use our tongues this morning. Shout out something. Swearing. Or cussing. 
as my American wife would probably not say because she's been in England now a long time. Um, Swearing's an interesting one. Uh, it's funny, this morning I was, I was walking with Abby to church and there was a couple of um, drunk guys and they were walking down the road and using the F word a lot. And I just, I just it grieved me and I, I was just so sad for them. There was something about the, the atmosphere around them, around their swearing. But here's the thing. You can curse somebody without cussing. Cussing is the American word for swearing, yeah? And you can curse somebody even when you're not cussing. Let me give you an example. Have you ever said, oh, bless their little soul? Now, there's no swearing there. But what, you, what you're saying is, oh, they're a stupid freaking idiot, is what you're saying. Are you not? I'm being, I'm being real with you this morning. Sometimes... Sometimes, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. We should not swear. We should not blaspheme. Take the Lord's name in vain. How, how disrespect. You know, we grieve the Holy Spirit sometimes in the way that we talk. And I can think of nothing more grieving to him when sometimes, you know, we take the Lord's name and we use it in, in, in blasphemous ways. But just because you may not swear, and I, I guess I'm talking to a nice Christian crowd this morning generally. Um, and we think, oh, well, I don't swear, I don't use the F word. You can curse people even when you're not cussing people. So we can. Anything else that we can think of this morning? Arguing. Do everything without arguing and complaining. I think the Apostle Paul encourages us to do. I think we can disagree without arguing. Would you, would you agree with that? No, I disagree. And I want to have an argument with you about it right now. <laughs> Be nice to people, absolutely. And even when you're in disagreement, I mean, you know, you find that in marriage, don't you? Sometimes, I know, I just cross lines. That sometimes there is a way to speak to somebody, even when you disagree, that can respect and honor and bless. Um, anything else? Degrading, yep. Degrading. Slander, yeah, we'd think to that. Silence, yeah, we talked a little bit about that. Thank you for shouting these things out. You're using your tongue. Sorry? Laughing? Laughing at, oh, I was laughing at someone. Mocking. Yeah, mocking. Sarcasm. Do we need to be careful with our sarcasm? Are you serious, Martin says? <laughs> Me and my son often do this thing where there's a little couple of lines in a movie where one little boy says to another little boy, do you know what sarcasm is? And the other boy goes, no. We think it's funny. We do that all the time. Anyway, I think we need to be careful with our Oh, I'm struggling now. Is that right? Sarcasm. Negativity. Are you a positive person in the way that you speak about things? Are you having, are you having struggles at work? And all you do is speak negativity? 
where your words are a fire and they will spread. Your negativity will spread. How do you speak about this church? And this isn't a perfect church. We're trying very hard, but we can't get there, okay? This is not a perfect church. There are things that you can find in this church that you can be negative about. Can I say to you, if all you do is be negative, then maybe this isn't the place for you. We need your seat for somebody else. I don't think that's a word for anybody here this morning, but I'm making the point. Our words are a fire, and we need to be careful how we use them. There's probably more things we can talk about, and let's just um, land the plane here because time's moving on. What are the positive things that we can do with our words? We can encourage. Let's encourage one another. Let's bless each other with our words. You know, I say to to kids time and time again, I, I go into classrooms, into assemblies, and I say, kids, your words are powerful. You can turn somebody's hmm into a ha just by the way that you talk to them. Let's set fires of encouragement within this church. Because I think we can read that the other way. That, you know, our words are so powerful that if we encourage, wow, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stoke up the fires of blessing and encouragement within this church. Something else. Let's just, just do a couple. We can pray. We prayed earlier. So important that when we pray, we use our voices. Edify. Brilliant. Okay, let's edify one another. What's that? Guide. Now, here's a really interesting thing. that, And, of course, there's a sense, and James begins with this, that our words can guide others in the sense of teaching. But here's here's the thing. Maybe maybe we'll just finish here because there's so much to say about this. If you do not like the direction of your life, can I encourage you to do something? Can you change the direction of your words? That your words are a rudder. They may seem small and insignificant, but your tongue, your words, will set the direction of your life. So, if you do not like your marriage... For instance, if you do not like the direction that your marriage is going in, can you change the direction of your words and how you speak about your spouse? And James is saying it it will change. It will change your marriage. If you do not like the direction of your job, maybe you need to change the direction of your words towards your employer, towards your boss, towards your work environment. That as you do that, something radical will happen in your life. We could spend all morning. I'm going to get the worship team up, please. We could spend all morning, couldn't we, talking about all the negative things that are going on in our lives. I mean, life isn't easy sometimes. It's tough and it's difficult. We That's what we could focus on this morning. We could focus our words on the big problems. But should we do something better than that? Should we focus our words on a God who is big? 
I really feel that this church, and I feel God speaking to us about this. There was a word actually, and intensified a couple of weeks ago. In fact, where, where are all the students who went to intensified? I want you guys to come up the front now, please. Just come to the front, okay? Because um, this is a really key thing for us, that we as a church, we need to find our voice in the way that we praise, in the way that we worship God, in the way that we speak about God. Because I tell you what, if we learn to use our voices in praise and worship, it will change absolutely everything. I would like us to stand. Uh, These guys, when they were away for the weekend, isn't it great to have so many um, young people in church? Isn't it awesome? Give yourselves a clap, young people, for being young. That's awesome. Woo! I can't see everybody now. Now, these guys um, had a word around finding their voices in worship, in praise. And I want to say this morning, if you do not like the direction of your life, of something that is happening in your life, there's a very powerful thing you can do this morning. And that is just to begin to praise. To use your voice to lift up the majesty and the wonder and the, the, the capabilities of God. You could spend your morning talking about all the struggles and the negative stuff that's going on right now. And that's going to set the direction of your life. Or we can begin to worship. We can begin to pray.